Well, hello, everybody. It is State Senator Carla Bigham coming at you here on the second season of Carla Talks. So thank you for listening. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to learn about what's going on uh, up at the Capitol and really just kind of giving out some information here. We're, we don't have a guest this week. I'm, I'm all you got. Uh, we will be having guests here in the second season. Um, we're lining those up, but we're going to, we're going to have a lot of good ones. And so we're going to do this as frequently as we can, understanding that session is going to obviously take priority. And so we're going to, to try to fit a couple of these recordings in uh, a month, uh, if not at least once a month. So look forward to those, keep checking back and I will let you know. Uh, So first I'm going back. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate all the support. Um, The election was an odd one, everything COVID, obviously. And so um, I appreciate everybody's support. It is an honor and a privilege to represent Senate District 54 up at the Capitol. And I just cannot thank my family, my friends, my supporters um, so much. Um, it, It is an honor to represent everyone, whether you voted for me or not, in uh, Senate district 54 up at the Capitol. It is, it's, we've got a lot of work to do. We're going to do it. Um, and we're going to just keep, keep our nose to the grindstone and we're going to just keep walking and keep working, uh, together and across the aisle to get things done. So a couple things, uh, I want to talk a little bit about my committees, a little bit about upcoming event, um, kind of session, COVID stuff, uh, and, and just kind of give everybody an update. So I have uh, earned spots on the following committees. I am the DFL lead because we're still in the minority. The Senate in Minnesota did not flip, uh, and there's no special election scheduled. Um, so I am the lead of the Civil Law and Data Practices Committee, which I'm very excited about. And then I'm also a member of the Judiciary Committee, which I am very, very excited about. And then I'm also on the Local Government Committee. So those that know me know that, like, those are my three committees. That's my jam right there. Those are my kind of areas I'd like to to work on. Uh, We're going to continue to uh, obviously fight for fully funding our, our public schools, affordable, accessible healthcare for everybody and clean environment specifically on getting rid of the water contamination and holding people accountable for that and getting PFAS uh, out of our system, which is a chemical that's contaminating the water. So we're going to continue to work on, on that. But the three committees I've been assigned are those. I also have been assigned the subcommittee on employee relations, which is the legislative group that um, helps sit in and ask the questions for ratification of state employee contracts. I was on that when I was in the house. So uh, I have some experience on that. So I'm happy to step into that role as well. So those are the committees. Very excited to get work. They actually start very soon here. Uh, We are having a town hall uh, with representative Keith Frankie. And by the way, welcome back, Keith, a good friend of mine. 
and Representative Tony Jurgens. Uh, because of COVID, we can't have our normal uh, round robin of legislative uh, town halls. Usually you'll see um, myself and the representatives go around the district and have listening sessions and town halls. And just because of COVID, we can't. So we're having one live televised town hall that is Wednesday, January 13th. It's a virtual town hall. It'll be hosted on South Washington County Cable. And then Dakota County Commissioner Mike Slavic will be emceeing that event. So he'll be asking us the questions that are submitted. If you have a question, hit me up on social media or um, you can email me at SEN, which is the abbreviation for senator.carla.bigham at senate.mn. And then um, that is on the 13th at 7 p.m. So we, you could see that on social media too. We're going to try and share that on social media as it's happening. Um, the, so we were sworn in on January 5th and that's a two year term this time around because of redistricting. So we have the census that'll be coming out here, uh, in the next month, six weeks with numbers about, updated population numbers, and then that will be broken down into congressional districts and legislative districts. And then we're going to have to work on that. The The local electeds will work on their part. So the counties, and if you have uh, wards and, and precincts or wards and districts uh, in local elected areas, you will, they'll be working on those. So it's a two-year election. So November of 2022, we're all on the ballot, all 201 of us, and then all the constitutional officers, governor on down. Uh, we do not have a U.S. Senate pre uh, or presidential person on the ballot. So um, it's a two-year term this time. We were sworn in on the 5th, and, you know, because of COVID, a lot of it was, there's a lot of people being sworn in virtually, um, but we were only allowed a uh, couple people in the chamber to take the oath. If you were a returning member like myself, you couldn't have a guest. First term members got like one or two people that could be in the, in the gallery, but that was limited. So yeah, it's just, it, uh, it was a different ceremony, but necessary to keep everybody safe. The top priority and the main goal of this upcoming session is the budget. This is a budget year. So odd years are budget years in the legislature. And we set a two-year biennium budget, um, probably going to be somewhere between 48, 50 billion uh, over two years. And the governor will put a proposal out here mid-January. Then we're going to get the February forecast in March. I know. Don't even get me started. I really think we could just figure this all out where the governor proposes a budget and doesn't have to adjust it, but he proposes it. We get the final forecast in March and then he has time to update, amend, cut, add, change his budget. And then our work starts in the legislative branch. Obviously tax and bonding bills have to start in the house per the constitution and everything else, um, we 
or it's just going to work on. And my hope is that we pass a budget as bipartisan. Obviously, it will be if we get a budget because the Republicans have the Senate and Democrats have the House. But we need to um, hunker down and compromise and uh, get a good budget done through a uh, transparent process and get it to the governor's desk through conference committees. Uh, we don't need the trifecta of the governor, the speaker of the house and the majority leader in the Senate doing it much like they did last time. I don't think that that's a good thing. So the budget will take up a lot of our time and being that we're going to be in committee remotely and a lot of people will be doing session remotely. We're going to probably focus on the budget bills. I don't think you'll see a lot of big, big complex bills going through when um, we're under kind of these physically distant restrictions. The other issue, obviously, I've addressed is redistricting. So that's another priority that we will hopefully get through this year. Uh, usually, the House and the Senate and the governor cannot agree on redistricting maps and they go to the courts. So that's probably what's going to happen. Um, a big deal, obviously, is getting this virus under control. Now that the session, now that the legislature is back in session, um, we're there every day. So we need to put forth a plan. We need to put forth a plan, be a partner with the governor, uh, and really put our voice into how we are going to come out the other side of this pandemic from a school perspective, from a jobs perspective, from a healthcare perspective, a uh, lot of decisions to be made and we need to be front and center. And I'm going to talk about that in a second, but um, you know, we have to continue to address the huge disparities that, that really COVID exposed and um, we have to rebuild this economy that works for everyone. And I think that it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of conversations, and a lot of input. Uh, but it's what we have to do. The old way didn't work for a lot of people. And so we're going to continue to have to build uh, an economy that really, truly does work for, for everyone. So making sure that people have broadband, making sure that people have paid family leave, making sure that people do uh, have a, a well-funded job, uh, a well-paid job. So we have to continue to have those, those conversations. And again, another priority of mine is making sure that people have access to quality, affordable health care. Uh, I would personally like to see more competition in the system, so I would like to see a public option for folks. I'm going to be working on that. Mental health has always been a top priority for me, and we're going to continue to push reforms through. Telemedicine has really helped in that. We should do more on that. Again, it's going to come back to broadband for that, but also making sure that um, we can have mental health visits as a preventative measure, um, much like getting a mammogram or colonoscopy, uh, your physical. Uh, any of those things don't come off your deductible. They're preventative. We should allow a certain amount of visits to be um, considered preventative medicine. And then, um, you know, really looking to uh, a clean 
green environment, clean energy, taking that transition and in, in really building our economy, um, some good green jobs, good labor jobs that will improve our environment and improve our economy. So looking forward to working on, on all of those. And we might throw some sports wagering in there, but I don't have high hopes that it will pass. So let's talk a little bit about um, COVID and um, the executive orders, um, because I know that it is one of the questions that we have. So I will first say this, that it's clear that what Minnesotans have done through their hard work, listening to science and data has helped. Um, it has uh, slowed the spread of this highly infectious novel virus. And um, by wearing masks, sanitizing, socially distanced, um, or physically distanced, it's, it, it has. It, it, and this latest pause, the most recent pause, has given us room to alleviate the stress on our healthcare system, our healthcare workers. So thank you, because it's worked. Um, now we're opening up a little bit, and that is good. That is fantastic. I have been completely frustrated, as you have, as pretty much everybody I know has, including Governor Walls, um, about having to have some of these restrictions in place. So uh, as of Monday the 11th, bars and restaurants can open at 50% capacity with about 150 people max. Um, parties of no more than six people can remain six feet from each other. Bar seating is open to parties of two, and you got to have some reservations. They're going to close by 10, and by the way, you still got to wear a mask. Gyms, uh, they are still at 25%. Gyms and pools are at 25%, no more than 150 people. Uh, machines or boxing heavy bags, as I use, I have to be nine feet apart. Uh, you can have classes, and again, everybody must be masked. Um, Outdoor events and entertainment continue at 25%. Uh, that increases to 250 people, but social distancing is required. Um, bowling alleys, movie theaters, museums may open at 25%, no more than 150 people. I am so excited to see that. One, I love movies. I love the theater. I love museums. Not the best bowler, but I do enjoy it. Um, you know, that's, that's good news for them. Uh, and then... Um, Places of worship remain open at 50% and, and there is no overall maximum capacity there. So, you know, we need to continue with the masks and the sanitation and staying home if you don't feel well. Answer the call if the Department of Health happen, uh, calls. Answer the phone if the Department of Health calls. And, you know, getting tested occasionally because if you're asymptomatic, you may not know you're spreading this, this COVID virus. So um, we just, we all have a responsibility to watch out for our loved ones and our neighbors. And so um, I, I just, I, I appreciate everyone. This hasn't been easy. This hasn't been easy on anyone. And so I just want to thank you and I'm going to do my best and my part to get information out. So with that being said, um, you know, vaccines are another issue I wanted to bring up. We're, we're, we're um, continuing to roll that out and prioritize with our long-term care workers, our hospital workers, our first responders. There's other groups that are going to be coming out. 
um, that will be prioritized and then we'll get to the general public with a new administration that will actually have a plan um, to work with the states. Um, the, the new federal administration has committed, the Biden administration has committed to sending all the vaccines out. So that should help us speed along uh, who's going to get the uh, vaccination. And um, I'm going to get it as soon as um, my number gets called up in the general population. I'm only going to be 42. So uh, I got a while yet, but um, I'm going to get it. I hope you will too. And um, my brother's a firefighter and he got it and he was super excited. I uh, was worried he was going to cry because back in the day, that's what he did. I uh, hope he, he doesn't mind. I said that on this podcast, but um, the vaccine gives us hope. The vaccine is the light at the end of the tunnel. And so we're going to continue to get information out about that. There's another website. It's called stay safe MN. So it's stay MN.gov. And that website has all the information you could possibly want about COVID in Minnesota, meaning if you need to get a test, if you want to know about restrictions that are in place, it's all on that uh, website. And let's talk a little bit about the executive orders. And I'm going to use one example. Um, it's It's been difficult not having a Senate that will have hearings on these executive orders, on winding down the governor's executive orders, on opening us back up. And it's been a frustration for me. You can go back and listen to all my floor speeches. I am fairly certain that I have spoken on maybe all but one of the special sessions we had since May. I have spoken on the floor. I believe all but maybe one, maybe two. And each of them talk about the abhorrent committee process that the Republicans in the Senate have had. They haven't had committee hearings, real committee hearings, about where legislation is put forth, where there's testifiers, where there's amendments that are offered, where people can vote on bills, where members vote on bills and a policy comes out at the end of the day from that committee on opening schools up, on unemployment, on long-term care, on housing, on food insecurity, uh, any of this. And it just literally blows my mind. So I just, I cannot understand why they wouldn't have wanted to put forth a plan and they haven't. So I'm going to use an example. The, the governor cannot, if, if we just remove the governor's executive orders, nothing is in place to help what those executive orders protected. So I'm going to use one example. It's evictions. So if these executive orders are withdrawn immediately, so if the House and the Senate vote to pull them, the, the peacetime declaration, which gives him the power to issue the executive orders, if that's removed, then that means he can no longer do executive orders. That means executive orders are gone. Eviction. That would mean people immediately could lose their homes. That means that there's no plan in place for landlords to have a process to get money back from, from renters. There's no guidance for rent, for mortgages. Where, where are you going to go? We're going to have a huge influx of homelessness. But also, what about the courts? We don't even have a plan for the courts. 
so to deal with evictions and they're already backlogged so that is i i get the frustration i don't like the executive orders either but i don't like chaos and we in fact of the matter is is the senate needs to do its job and and if i was running it i would have been having hearings and i would have been a partner with the governor the whole time but that's not the case it turned into a very political thing and that is unfortunate people don't want that i don't want that i just want a plan so that we can tell people what we're going to do. And we have to have that plan before we can get rid of the executive orders. So now we're back. So now I hope people hold us accountable to give us a plan. And the governor has already sent a letter out saying, guess what? He wants a plan. So I intend to work on it to get it to him. So um, I just wanted to put that out there. Please stay in touch. Please follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. You can email me to get on my weekly updates at send.carla.bigum at senate.mn. And please um, make sure you're you're uh, watching the news, seeing what we're doing. Please email call and let me know, um, you know, if you have any ideas, thoughts, questions, concerns. Again, thank you so much for being here. And, you know, it was a heck of a week. Uh, this is being recorded the weekend after um, the, the uh, in, insurgent um, uh, coup that occurred at our nation's capital. And it was disturbing. It was scary. And um, our democracy, democracy prevailed because our elected officials went back and did their job. And that showed us a, a sign of strength. And I can tell you that now more than ever, we are committed to working together. So people need to um, come together. It's policy and people over politics and party. And we're going to have that commitment. And so we're going to get some good stuff done. I'm going to keep you updated. I appreciate you um, being here today. Um, and we will definitely be keeping everybody apprised of what is going on at the Capitol here, and we're going to have some good guests. So please continue to come back. Thank you very much, and have a great, great week. The Carla Bigham for State Senate Committee is responsible for the content of this message.